We Infuse Podcast, episode number 45. Welcome to the We Infuse Podcast. My name is Amanda Brummett. In every episode, we give you a seat at the table as we talk to Infusion Center owners, operators, and experts so that you can get the insight you need to run a thriving practice. In this episode, we talk with Chris Cook, Vice President of Specialty Pharmacy with Avira Health, and Jay Patel, Founder and CEO of Avira Health. Chris and Jay are both pharmacists and have a ton of great information to share about patient experience, working with payers, resources, and lessons they've learned along the way. So, as I said, I'm here today with Jay and Chris from Avira Health, and we are super excited to have them on the We Infuse podcast. Thanks for being here, guys. Uh, Thank you for having us. Thanks for having us. Yeah. So I've told the audience a little bit about you formally, but I would love for you to share with us your background and how you both got into the infusion industry. Absolutely. Uh, So my name is Jay Patel. I'm the founder and CEO of Ibera Health, uh, formerly known as Green Hill Pharmacy. I was a young pharmacist at age 26 that uh, wanted to start an independent pharmacy here in uh, the Delaware area. And we started this uh, industry, in this industry, healthcare industry, uh, wanting to just uh, have an impact in the community pharmacy space. However, as we grew throughout the months and years, we learned that, you know, there was a greater gap in care that needed to be served. And uh, over time, we found more and more opportunities where our uh, community-focused service was more and more needed. And so we grew from just a small independent pharmacy uh, to, you know, multiple independent pharmacies throughout Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, uh, Delaware area in into, you know, the care coordination business, as well as the infusion uh, space as well. Um, And I'll let Chris introduce himself. Uh, So, hi, my name's uh, Chris Cook. Uh, I'm the Vice President of Specialty Pharmacy Services for Ivira Health. And um, like Jay, I started out in community pharmacy. Uh, I started out um, roughly about 17 years ago, but started with, being a retail pharmacist, a floating pharmacist coming out of school uh, with Walgreens. And then I got myself into management, dabbled around in understanding and getting experience with uh, managing people and and understanding how the business worked a little bit from that perspective. And then I got into uh, a role as a a specialty pharmacist with uh, Walgreens local specialty division. Uh, and that was really where I got a lot of my experience and understanding uh, the industry where it sits today. I mean, if we look at today where we're at with 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 pharmacy, a lot of what's uh, what's focused on is uh, specialty pharmacy from for a variety of uh, elements. And so I, I got my legs uh, from from that experience with Walgreens. I, I, I got an understanding of how how uh, certain um certain people in different uh, areas of the healthcare spectrum look at what what the industry is holding, what challenges they have from a hospital perspective, from a provider perspective, and from a pharma perspective, and even an insurance perspective. So I, I got really good experience uh, from being in that side of things. And then Jay had a mutual colleague that we teamed up and he said, hey, look, I need somebody to get me involved with specialty pharmacy. So I joined his team back in 2017, 
Uh, I've been helping uh, grow the business uh, since then. And we, we really got into infusion just a couple of years ago. We, it kind of fell into our laps. We, we met uh, Reese and Brian uh, out at the NHIA in, in March of 2019, I believe. We started having conversation about what it looked like to get into home infusion. They said, no, let's get, it, let's get you thinking about uh, alternate site of care or ambulatory infusion. And for there, uh, from there, the rest is history. I mean, we've uh, we started uh, with uh, consulting with them and establishing our business, and, and here we are today with a pretty uh, well-established, growing business of IVR infusions. Cool story. I I love your background and um, how you got into it. And my favorite part is that you're pharmacists. Um, I love that you look through things um, through that lens. Can you talk how that has shaped? your journey, um, both into infusions and, and how it affects your business decisions that you make every day when you're thinking about what to do for your patients? I think we're talking from two different perspectives, me from the, the patient angle, Chris from the, uh, the payer angle, honestly. Uh, and I, I think uh, both of us bring uh, two different, very important pieces to the puzzle, honestly, right? So for... Uh, for me, from when I opened uh, my first pharmacy to when we opened the uh, infusion center to you know care coordination, uh, the patient experience was the most important thing, right? Where um, having a good uh, frictionless patient experience was the most important thing, right? And whether that mean whether that meant um, you know. Uh, uh, ease of scheduling appointments, whether that meant, uh, you know, communication between providers, uh, whether that meant, uh, you know, access to uh, their clinicians. Um, that was the most important thing from uh, my angle as uh, the CEO. And, um, you know, when we opened our first infusion center, it was always making sure that the patient had uh, access to whoever and whatever it was that they needed, right? Uh, um, uh, small things like, I, I, I don't ever like to say that we're a large corporation, but, um, or sorry, I don't ever like to say that we're a large corporation, um, but things like making sure we answer phone calls within like a couple of rings, right? Uh, it, it means something, right? And it's not, uh, it's not a metric that we're trying to sit here and measure uh, because we're a small organization and we have no way to measure it really, but uh, it's more um, having that patient have a seamless experience in dealing with us, right? Uh, everywhere else in the healthcare journey, they're used to press one for X, press two for Y. Uh, everywhere else, they're used to being put on hold. Everywhere else, they're used to waiting. Um, here, they should not have that experience, right? And um, for us, it was making sure that patient experience was seamless, was smooth. Uh, you know, making sure uh, a lot of a lot of ambulatory infusion centers are you know beautiful spaces. Uh, you know, IVX infusion. We have Sage infusion. We have uh, Kelly Kane out in Arizona, where their um, their infusion centers are the most beautiful places. And like that, we wanted to 
make sure that we offered places like that as well for patients to go, where it wasn't a tight cramped room. It wasn't a room place with a lot of people. It was a very smooth, uh, relaxed environment uh, where people were able to feel comfortable, even if they were on um, you know, end-stage treatment, whether they were on chronic conditions that were going to be placed on lifelong, where their experience was um, uh, a blissful experience, really. And those are the things that we focused on early on with our business experience for patients, honestly. Um, but I know Chris uh, had um, I, I, a lot I of have, other... <laughs> I, have, I have some things that I can share. So I, I, from, 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 my, from my perspective, uh, uh, gaining the, the understanding of uh, the specialty uh, pharmacy uh, from, from a self-managed perspective gave, gave me a lot of tools to bring to infusion. So uh, it, I own and operate our, our specialty pharmacy side of the business, but that allows that allowed me to to bring some experience that we that we have now with that to infusion. So there's some similarities and, and some striking similarities with the operation. A prior authorization is needed for a lot of these expensive biologics or infusible therapies. And so that is, is, is something that is uh, where, where, you know, staff have to understand that there might be step therapy or they have to understand a medical policy and how it relates to their clinical condition. Uh, there's also financial assistance component. There's, there's similarities to that from, from a self-managed perspective to infusion. So uh, that piece of it is, is baked into our operation and infusion side. So our staff understands how to do prior authorizations. Our staff knows that if there is an out-of-pocket that might be uh, something that prohibits the patient to getting access to treatment, they know the resources that are necessary to get them financial assistance. So, you know, this is just little things, but that helps us to, uh, to, to move that piece of business. It's, it's a service essentially, right? So uh, that helps us to move that piece into infusion. And I think that providers like the fact that we do all these things for them. Patients are satisfied knowing that they have an opportunity to get access to a treatment that might uh, be uh, life altering or life saving. And, uh, this is where we're at. And, and some of the, some of the things that I've learned along the way helped us to grow that piece. It's actually a brilliant marriage to put together patient experience with the payer side um, because both of them ultimately affect the experience. And I love that you guys look at it that way. We, I think a lot of us forget that nobody ever wants to see any of us. They don't want our services. Um, they are are sick or hurting are probably scared. And so creating that frictionless experience, both on the, the, the beautiful and aesthetic side, making sure the phone's answered, but also helping them navigate that financial piece. It's huge. I mean, they're, they're scared, they're hurting. And the last thing they want to do is, is find out they have a, a massive bill or um, can't get anybody to answer the phone. I think, I think one other thing that is nice is our, our care coordination building, our, our business is actually in the same building as our infusion center. And our care coordination business, what it does is it provides uh, disease education uh, to uh, a basic standpoint, right? For a lot of primary care patients, for a lot of specialists uh, patients. And uh, the cool thing is 
um, these patients that are coming in, sometimes they're, you know, patients that are just really dumbfounded as to how, you know, how the heck am I diagnosed with UC? I'm healthy. I don't do drugs. I don't smoke. I don't drink. Like, how do I end up with this condition? Right. Or, you know, uh, some, you know, unfortunate uh, individuals that are young that, you know, end up with MS and that are just really confused and dumbfounded with how they get their condition. But uh, because the care coordination business is so nearby for us, uh, we're actually able to have a pharmacist come in while these patients are getting their infusion and have the pharmacist go through what 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 is the disease state? What's the background of the condition? Um, you know, what are what are some of the things that the patient can do to uh, better manage the condition? Uh, how do they can manage it with diet, exercise, uh, help prevent the progress of the condition? Honestly, and um, those are some of the things that I think um, are unique to our specific situation. Honestly, that are beneficial. Yeah, what a value add for the patients um, and for their referring physicians that you are providing some of that education that complements what they're probably telling their patients too. Um, that's awesome. And I love that you do it while they're already getting an infusion. They're not yeah. having to make another appointment for something else. They're, they're sitting there captive and they get a brilliant pharmacist explaining about their condition. That's right. Nice. I love that. Um, so one of the things you guys had mentioned to me that's been really helpful is a lot of people along the way. It sounds like there's a lot of folks that you um, feel like really helped sort of craft your journey. Can you share a little bit about that? Um, yeah, uh, honestly, I would. Uh, def definitely Reese Norris and Brian Johnson. I mean, we, we yeah. got to give them cred for, for, for getting us to think about um, medication or treatment from this perspective. I, I mean, uh, we, uh, we always, uh, uh, and this is what I liked about Jay, and that's why I, I, signed, I signed on a little while ago, was that, you know, we're always thinking the next step. We're trying to, we tr we're trying to be innovative. We're trying to be intuitive with, with our thought process and how we can get, how we can get in front of uh, what the, how uh, the wave of healthcare, right. And what the future brings. And, um, you know, part of doing that is building relationships, right. With people that are smart and sometimes smarter than you. And we got our, we had a chance to get in front of some really smart guys and, and Brian and Reese uh, at that conference. And it just got a different uh, perspective. They shed some light on th some things that got our light bulbs turning on. And, and uh, I can tell you that uh, without support, without help from others, really business doesn't work. Yeah, so uh, it was 2017 NHIA conference. Uh, Chris and I, uh, we, we, we pretty much spent a lot of the year researching home infusion, actually. Uh, so I don't know. Um, so you could see, uh, I don't know, the viewers, viewers could see, but you could see behind us. Uh, that's actually our uh, serial compounding lab behind us, our USB yeah. mm -hmm. lab behind us. Uh, and our, our specialty pharmacy is focused on home infusion. Uh, so we, we spent a majority of a whole year actually focusing on learning how to do home infusion. We went to the home infusion uh, NHIA conference. That's actually where we met Reese and Brian. And it was there that I just, uh, Chris was in one of the more valuable sessions of the NHIA conference. <laughs> I was in just floating around in one of the other uh, sessions. I you know, just happened to be in a session where Reese and Brian were talking and that's where I, you know, heard their entire session, fell in love with them. Uh, 
thankfully was able to get 30 minutes with them alone uh, at the conference. And that's where they got my mind thinking about an ambulatory infusion center in conjunction with doing home infusion. Uh, we have, you know, uh, we have a really close uh, colleague here uh, that runs Biotech Remedis. His name's uh, Chai Gudday. Um, he's the uh, you know, CEO of Biotech Remedis, he, uh, National Home Infusion uh, Pharmacy. Um, and you know, he's a very invaluable resource to us, but we never, uh, in working with Chai, we never even thought about uh, ambulatory infusion, but in that you know, 30 minute session that we sat with Reese and Brian, we, uh, we got to learn so much. I mean, we engaged them in a consulting agreement. We you know, signed on, we infuse. Uh, we infuse again, uh, shameless plug, by far best, best EHR we've ever worked with, uh, makes things uh, the most simplest form of what needs to be done. And in working with so many different softwares across so many different businesses, uh, we infuse hands down deserves all of the praise. Yeah, for it us. takes the cake for sure. Yeah. Words I rarely hear clinicians say about an EMR. <laughs> yeah, I, we could we, we could we could spend hours on uh, the bad softwares but too good too good awesome well i'm glad that you guys crossed paths it sounded like it had a big impact on your business and the direction um so uh you guys were cracking me up earlier when you're saying you've learned a lot from your failures i think most of us probably have um, which ones can you share with your fellow um, infusion owners and hopefully help them dodge? Uh, I think the one that we could share is one that everyone always talks about, but we could probably put a dollar number to the hurt uh, is billing. Oh, uh, so our friend Kelly Kane always, always, always expressed to us the importance of billing, working with people like Jackie from Pinnacle Infusion that really understand the beauty of infusion billing. Uh, Reese stressed to us the beauty of infusion billing. Uh, me as an arrogant pharmacist maybe chose not to listen. I don't know what it was. Uh, <laughs> however, yes, we can tell you that billing is probably one of the most important things that you can focus on as a uh, practitioner in medical billing, right? Uh, to the extent that uh, I think it was to the, the bell of, uh, you know, almost $500,000 that we had uh, almost as a loss. Thankfully, we were able to work with some very skillful players like Jackie at Pinnacle Infusion that, you know, uh, were able to save us. Um, but billing, honestly, making sure that you understand the life cycle of um, medical billing, understanding that it is not uh, pharmacy billing where it's, uh, and th this goes out to my pharmacists who are, and I, I personally know uh, eight to 10 colleagues that I've like referred to, uh, we infuse to do an infusion center, right? And um, that's just, you know, eight to 10 in my network where they are, you know, pharmacists coming from the pharmacy world who are looking to do, um, you know, an infusion center to take care of patients in their community, uh, probably in the same situation that we're in. And, you know, from the pharmacy world, we're so used to, uh, hey, if you get your 
aspirin, if you get your cholesterol medication, if you get your, even your $3,000 HIV medication, if you bill the insurance today, right now, in less than 10 seconds, you will get an answer whether you are going to get paid and you will know to a T minus DIR fees, uh, what you're going to get paid and how much you're going to get paid and that you will guaranteed get a payment in the mail or through EFT in a matter of, you know, three to five weeks in the medical world does not exist. The guarantee does not exist. Uh, even if you could get someone on the insurance company to say, Hey, this is your reference number still means literally nothing, unfortunately. So, uh, what we've learned is, um, having a robust team that can do your benefits checks, that can do your prior authorizations that can, um, you know, guarantee that you are in network, that you're a PAR provider, um, make sure your um, cash flow is able to uh, manage, you know, six to 10 to 12 weeks worth of cash flow. Uh, that is probably one of the most important things that I could say to any provider that's willing to go into this because um, in the pharmacy world, you know, $3,000 drugs, uh, you know, you're doing them daily, almost sometimes if you're a specialty pharmacy uh, and, you know, you can guarantee payments within a couple of weeks and, you know, it, it's okay. It, it's easy to manage, but when it comes 12 weeks and you don't get a payment, when it goes 15, 20, 18, six months almost before you get a payment, can you manage that? And there's no business plan that I have ever formulated in any of the companies that I've started since I was 26 that has planned for a 26 week business cash flow. Um, and that is the one thing that I think that we learned the lesson early on, thankfully. Um, and because we learned that lesson early on, we were able to uh, cut the losses um, and implement a very uh, robust billing team um, to make sure that we are guaranteed for success in the future. And Again, there's probably been at least eight other podcasts from We Infuse that have talked about billing and make sure it works out well. Uh, uh, three of the people that I look to as mentors have told me to make sure billing works out well. I, I don't know why I did not listen. I don't know if it was arrogance or just me being dumb coming from the pharmacy world, but uh, it, it is what it is. But making sure billing is at the forefront of everything that you do. Uh, making sure that your cash flow can stay secure is probably one of the most important things you can do. Um, that would be the biggest lesson, honestly, to other pharmacists that are looking to jump into this landscape now. Yeah, totally makes sense. You know, my journey was the opposite of you guys. I did business school and then went into healthcare. Um, and we basically start with cash is king, days cash on hand. You need six months. and um, but But you're not alone. I rarely talk to anybody that owns any kind of healthcare entity that hasn't run into the same thing. And um, yeah, and it's tough. So I'm, I'm glad that you weathered the storm and um, yeah. Chris, any? Oh, go ahead, Jay. I think it falls in line with what Jay was discussing is, you know, at, at, you know, from an entrepreneur perspective, you really, you really got to do your due diligence in, in anything you do. Um, and I think that uh, early in our career, in my experience, being, you know, being with a small company is that we're really, um, 
we're go-getters. So if there's something uh, that we uh, we feel that might uh, be an opportunity, we'll go after it. And sometimes it's taking a risk, right? Uh, and, and not all the time does that mean that you're going to succeed with, uh, with that venture. And so, um, you know, part, part of success is being able to accept failure. And I think that, you know, for, for all the listeners that are out there, you know, it's don't be afraid to take risks and don't be afraid to, um, to, to go after things that, uh, that might um, be on the cusp of or counterintuitive. It's just do your due diligence. And, and, and uh, you know, with that, uh, you know, you, you may fail, but if you succeed, all the more better. Awesome. Yeah, that is fantastic advice. Um, I, I wish everybody got it about six months before they went into business. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so last question. Um, of all the things that you've learned, everything you've been through with your different businesses, what is one last piece of advice that each of you would give our listeners? I can tell you right now, I think so, uh, is developing a culture. Uh, identifying uh, a culture within your organization uh, is probably the most paramount thing um, to a company, especially as you grow. You want to you, you establish that because you want people to have the same values or resonate with the same the, the values that you have as a company. Uh, and that helps you identify the type of talent that you want. Um, and it's not just, you know, what tangible skills they have or, you know, the, uh, you know this person might be uh, clinically gifted. But uh, are, are they self-motivated? Are, 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 are they um, willing to wake up in the morning early and, and do research? Are they willing to put in the sweat equity? So, you know, it, it's establishing uh, those values and, and creating a culture and then hoping that you can bring in people that will uh, mold to that culture. So I think culture is a really big thing that a lot of people don't um, that take for granted so to speak, uh, and, and, and really surrounding yourself with, with, with smart people. I mean, I, I can't say enough about it. I'm not the smartest guy in the room, and Jane will tell you the same thing. But I'll tell you what, we have some really, really smart and talented folks on our team that help us to bring ideas to the table and to, to, to shed light on things from a different perspective. And so I think those, all those pieces are important. I don't know if Chris was telling me that I'm equally as <laughs> inequitable as him. However, I do not disagree with him. I am in the same boat. Uh, I, I do not think that I am the smartest person in the room. Honestly, uh, when I started my first business, I was 25, 20, going on 26. Um, and I, I was not the smartest person at all in any means. I mean, you know, uh, I quit my secure job. I had nothing but debt. I had no house. I had no car. I mean, I was just going out of the wild, just saying, you know, YOLO, uh, which, uh, you know, at that point, uh, um, as a, as a 20, 26 year old going in, um, it, it seemed like, you know, what's, what's the worst that could happen. And honestly, uh, that, that, that was my mentality, right? Like I had a, I had a father who was a immigrant to this country who uh, came here. Uh, we had a, you know, a typical gas station. 
Uh, and he said, you know, what, what is the worst that can happen to you, right? Like worst case scenario, you have a doctorate of pharmacy degree, you will go back and you will have a six figure salary. I had a, a, a girlfriend who is now the mother of my two month old daughter, uh, who said, I will be here to support you. What is the worst thing that can happen to you, right? Like you will, again, go back and go to Walmart and work and get a six-figure salary. What is the worst thing that can happen? Um, and so that, that, gave me the, that gave me the foolish arrogance of pride to, 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 to trek forward to uh, want to do something better for the community, right? And in, in doing that for that first year, I learned that the more you give back to the community that you serve, the more the community will always give back to you, right? Year one, opening a pharmacy, uh, we succeeded, uh, which is rare to say in the industry today. Uh, year two, we had our second location. Year three, uh, we had two more locations. Year four, five, six, today where we are now, we are uh, a, you know, a very large organization serving thousands of patients across multiple states, uh, across, you know, pharmacy, uh, infusion, care coordination, and none of that would have been possible without taking the risk of foolishness, right? And um, it's, 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 it's easy to say, let's take a risk, but it's hard to know when that risk is a calculated risk versus uh, that risk is a calculated risk um, doing good for the world. And that's the most important thing, right? Where, where if you know you are doing good, then that risk you should always take because, um, more often than not, when you're doing good for the world, the world will always be there to support you, to stand you up, to strong, to hold you up. And I think that is the most important thing that um, I've always learned that my parents have always taught me, my wife's always supported me, uh, my partners have always seen in me in that uh, in the last six years, we've, we've done some foolish things where uh, you know, we, it, it, it may not have always made business sense, but it made sense in um, supporting the population that we're uh, promoting here in our community. It made sense to the patients of the doctors that we support. And, you know, on paper, uh, financially, it may not have made sense, but uh, in the end, it's, it's always paid dividends long terms over. And that's the most important thing that you always see is like, uh, the, the more happy your patients are, the more happy your community is, the more happy your providers are. Um, you know, sometimes those are the risks that are the most worth taking, honestly. Yeah, absolutely. I, I find the same. Whatever you put good out, it, it comes back to you. And we put the patients exactly. first. It always ends up working out in the end. Well, Jane, Chris, thank you so much for all the information. I love hearing your story. I so appreciate your passion for patients um, and for sharing your advice with other infusion center owners. And um, just really appreciate your time and uh, love that Avira is doing such amazing things. Thank you for having us. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Amanda. Well, there you have it. That's Chris Cook and Jay Patel of Avira Health. Their passion for putting the patient first is such a good reminder for why we all do what we do. And their advice and experience on the financial side of medicine is certainly one that we can all appreciate. Well, if you haven't done so already, do yourself a favor and give the We Infuse software platform a test drive to see how it can save you time and money in your practice. My name is Amanda Brummett, and I'll catch you in the next episode.